think that the profit itself doesn't have to be the focal point every morning in the company's mentality. The purpose of why we're here, why we are doing our job, why we are sharing our values with people through our products, I think this has to be the focal point even more from now on. This is Unplugged, a series of conversations with creative minds from the design industry and beyond, hosted by H&H. Welcome to another episode of H&H Unplugged. We have the pleasure to be in connection today with uh, Mr. Piero Gandini, that for sure the most of you will know for his name connected to Floss, family company that Piero has uh, run for many and many years. Buongiorno Piero, how are you doing? Buongiorno Matteo to everybody. Nice to have you here with me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for uh, being with us today. Piero, how is the quarantine uh, treating you? Are you feeling comfortable? I'm feeling, thanks God, more than comfortable in the sense that I had a bad news and a good news. The bad news was that I had the virus, so I passed through the experience. But the good news had that I had the likeness to not be in Italy when it happened. I was here in Portugal in a fantastic countryside, as you can see on my back. So I spent my virus time, of course, closed, but with this nice platform watching the countryside. So I didn't feel so close in the box, let's say. Now everything is fine. I passed through. It was an interesting experience, but now I'm absolutely healthy and life's gone. Glad to know that you are recovered and you are uh, very well now, in perfect condition as we see. Um, look, Piero, you had the, the, I would say, privilege and also the chance of uh, going through many, many years uh, of uh, the economic development of our uh, country, of uh, many different seasons. Throughout the conversation that we are having with uh, our guest, there is uh, this uh, common point that comes out, that most probably everything the companies they did for up to one month ago to keep up their brand identity, their brand value, investing a lot of money in those channels of marketing and creating identities, most probably, I'm exaggerating now, a majority of that was like a kind of wasted money. Is it a turning point, so apparently, for many entrepreneurs? Do you think that we are really living a turning point for the economy and also for the culture which is connected to that, to the design? I think that is a turning point in the sense that this is a good call. Of course, in a dramatic, in a tragedy situation, but a good call to our minds and to our way of thinking. I don't think that things will change all of a sudden because of six months of this terrible situation. All of a sudden, we'll switch in a completely different thing. Many things will go and run following the classic thing. I don't think that we have to waste everything, you know? The, the company had a value, the company had an identity, the companies had uh, always tried to, at least the best one, of course, but in Italy, in the design world, you're talking about the best companies in the field. They always try to develop many values about what they do, the involvement of the, the tradition, the involvement of innovation, the involvement of cultural challenges. So all this doesn't have to change. Uh, of course, the Italian company was putting all this effort mainly into the product. They were completely, and they are completely product-oriented companies. They were trying the last decade to, to improve also the communication and marketing capacity. But 
I think that we have to evolve the uh, communication to open our mind to a total different horizon that is not there just because of this, was already there coming. This is a kind of accelerator, this uh, situation. But keep the values, they are the, ba the, the base of our culture. And um, what is happening, I think, is that already before, but especially now after this experience, we have to redefine altogether what is the concept of progress. From my generation already, you know, I had uh, young daughters, they are 20 and something years old, and I see the incredible amount of energy and the militant attitude that they have to certain things like the environment, for example, or social equality. Yeah. They are, you know, things that, uh, I remember, take, a, take the, the situation of plastic, for example. Now, today, we look at plastic like a big problem. And of course it is. And we have to fight strongly and much stronger than what we are doing, actually, I think. But when I was young, when I started this, this job, when I did the famous Mississippi lamp with Philip Stark, the old plastic uh, economic lamp, at that point, for us, was to be very progressive, was to create products that were cheap, available for everybody, so was designed for all, was a big adventure in technology and to open products to people that before couldn't afford the products of our country. So you see, before was a kind of distribution, a way to distribute values and products to everybody, and today that element became a big problem. We didn't realize that doing certain things, they were good. We also made certain things that were very bad. At the end, the concept of progress has to change. We are sharing more, and we have to, I think, uh, really, I can't say forget, because of course companies have to make money to be able to invest in the future. But I think that the profit itself doesn't have to be the focal point every morning in the company's mentality. The purpose of why we're here, why we are doing our job, why we are sharing our values with people through our products, I think this has to be the focal point even more from now on. And, and this is a good call, I think. This acceleration, unfortunately, through a tragedy, I hope will call even more all of us involved in this to better focus our effort in order to help each other and solve the new problems and some, unfortunately, antique problems that we have in the society. That was an interesting point, what you said there. If I got it right, plastic helped to make the design more democratic. Yes, sorry to use that as an example, but there are many other things. Now, the concept of, we have to redefine what is the progress today. The progress, you know, through the incredible technological revolution that we had through, today many people are in the good or in the bad, participating and sharing contents and, you know, uh, being in, in contact and dialogue in many ways, one to the other, in a very, very, also a incredible big, big way, I have to say, very also accelerated way. So what is the progress today? To make more people be informed or more people be conscious of what they are receiving, more people sharing which values and which informations. And all of this, together with the environment and social equality, they are new, but they're also old problems. All of this has to be in the dialectic today, in the discussion that we have all together, to redefine the concept of progress. It cannot be just bigger, bigger, bigger economy, bigger, bigger, bigger companies, bigger, bigger, bigger extension of uh, distribution of products, but we have to find a way to put into the process things about 
why we are here together in the way to help each other much more. More and more ethical, more ethical for Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, being part of the lighting industry, uh, I think I might say that, Floss, you have been like among the first one to approach the e-commerce, the nature of the products itself as lamps, it made it, made it easier compared to other industries. Do you think that, that approaching the end users closer helped or in a way has changed your own way as entrepreneur and the designer's way to look at the products, to design the products and to approach the creative process compared to other industries that had a bigger distance from their end users. I have to say, I don't know if this was because uh, a relative uh, early time that we experiment the e-commerce or because the floss culture and my family and my personal culture are totally uh, oriented to a kind of ideal relationship with the, uh, the people that uh, use our lives. You know, we, I, I've tried to ban from the company from the beginning, but it was already not there, but even in, you know, new manager coming in and in the people who are in the staff, I don't like to, uh, I never like it to see or hear terms like, you know, targets or consumer, all these things. I don't, I don't like even the word market in a certain sense. The idea that the world is a big market and the people are targets and all these things, even if we don't think it, but just the fact that they are, in our, in our words, in the way we speak, is not a good signal. Every time we develop with a designer a new product, for us, you know, in our intention, in our idea, was always projecting, imagining ourselves or a friend or somebody in their life, in their private life, in, in their life, using the product and try to understand not only which functional relation the person can have with the product, but also what kind of emotional and in a certain sense, their indirectly cultural relationship can yeah. happen through this. So this is what really always matters uh, in, in the floss uh, work. So there's not a big difference today between what we need to do now and what was at the time. And when you said before, uh, the, the, the job is to become more ethical. For people that were ethical even before, it's not more ethical. It's just a different way to approach ethics. I've tried, and I think many companies in Italy have tried to be ethical from the beginning. Only, you take in a certain sense, in a certain moment, in a relaxed way. Uh, today, the urgency is there. And I repeat, it was already there. But this tragedy has, has rang the bell even more. I think that the relationship with the person that uses our products has to be in our minds always. In a, always there, trying to... Im- to really create a kind of line uh, between us and the other people, because at the same time, we also use products the other companies do. So we have to also create a circle where the culture is try to do good things that the people enjoy and that the people benefit. And don't worry always about how many products sell. You know, because if when you do the process, the creative process starts already with the worry, so how many of these will sell? Uh, is already bad. It's already poisoning. Uh, we never, never, never did. Of course, experience. Of course, we take care of these things when you or the company, of course, live about how many product sales. But we never did it with this kind of paranoia. And, and I think this is the, is the secret. The secret is to not care too much about these things, at least in the first part. 
of their creative process. Then when you understand together with the designer that you arrive to something, there's a real value, there's really another step forward in a developing culture of design in our uh, common life, then of course, it comes the professional side and more, you know, company attitude side where you try to rationalize the investment, you try to rationalize these things, but this doesn't have to be at the beginning if we want to go really in the new future. Technology now is a big part of our life, especially now, these days, during this emergency, we are communicating through a technological device. Do you think that sooner or later do you see human beings uh, be, uh, becoming like uh, victims of all the technologies that we are surrounded by? Technology is something that we've made, that we have developed, and that we have to use as a tool. So I like the fact that designers always say in their interviews about working with flaws that the great thinking flaws that is the company. Normally, we have to push the company. With flaws, companies pushing us to advance even more to find solution that requires sometimes strong technology. You know? And in plus, everything is possible. This, I think, can be a good approach. Uh, I hope that plus will keep this attitude now with the new people running the company because I, I think this is the base. Technology has to be a kind of servant of us, has to be a good tool to improve our lives. But if we have a, a wrong approach to that, if we think that we have to follow technology, if we are not technological enough, we are not good. And so we try to use technology in any way just to, to, to be part of it, this can be dangerous. And of course, when you go into communication and social connections, then the game became much bigger than when you do a, a chair on the lamp. Because, you know, through the technological revolution we have through, we have to admit that a lot of people today, they can participate, they can say what they think. They are part of the game. And these people, they were not. Uh, they even didn't know that certain things were existing before this. But at the same time, this is fantastic achievement with a lot of cultural risk, but a fantastic achievement socially. But at the same time, we can be, as we know, much more controlled, much more monitorized, and our life can be detected, our way of living, our uh, you know, daily choices can be detected and use it. So in, every, in everything, there is a good and a bad. It's part of us to have a, a, to have a culture where together we try to push uh, the good things and to resist to what can be the negative things. We have to re we have to re refine a political dimension, I think, in our lives, in a good sense. Uh, we have to be really, you know, uh, militant citizens again. And this is important. I mean, being uh, all of us way more involved uh, into social life, uh, into developing together a yeah, system. Yeah, in the choices, <laughs> the, in the things that are run. I mean, I don't think that to be militant citizens means to be in 10,000 social things putting I like it or I don't like it or all these things. I don't think that this give really big advantage into the uh, discussion that we have produced. I think that we have really to be there every day when we work together, when we live together and, and we do a lot of things together. No? We work, we produce, we eat, uh, we, we have affections, uh, but we are part of things where technology can really bring, and is bringing great advantages, but also some big, big, big risk. And we have to be there for the control of the governments, the control of security agencies, for example, but also, of course, the choices about pollution, the cho everything we do, 
has to become more militant, in my opinion. But we not necessarily need to go on the road every day protesting. We can transfer this approach in the way we do products, for example, in the way we communicate our products, for example, in the way to give priorities also in our company's lives, in our company's, uh, you know, uh, results priorities. I think this is something that can really come also from daily life and daily choices. So do you think this is the next uh, cultural mission of the companies also? I hope so. I hope so. You know, there are companies that are doing this. Uh, I don't want to make publicity to everybody, but there are companies, you know, I have a a Californian friend that does chairs and uh, works with the best designer that we all know and is super committed since ever, not only now, not in the last five years. He was committed from the beginning to do products that were and environmental friendly, they were long, long, long lastings, and um, creating it's a fantastic approach. You, know? you can always find people they are they have certain values in their priorities, and people they are they have less, or perhaps we were also more distract because we didn't realize the certain thing became such a priority. We were not informed enough, it was also our problem, or so we were not informed enough from the general information system, I don't know, it's a mix of things. But it's clear that today, uh, inequality in the society and environment are the biggest, uh, the biggest things that we have to, to adjust. And we have to take decisions every day. They are at least in the good direction. Piero, you grew up uh, surrounded uh, by giants of uh, design, cultures, uh, uh, the Castiglioni brothers, uh, just to name uh, to name one, the first that comes to my mind. I'm sure that some of them, throughout your years of formation, they became a sort of mentors, people that you 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 looked up to. Now, in this moment, in this new phase of your life, uh, which are the personalities that you are looking up to in order for taking inspirations in this moment? First of all, I. I always had an incredible respect from the design for designers, and you, you know, but I never saw them like um, kind of monsters because probably because I grew up with them already when I was a child. You know, I was going home, there was Castiglioni for lunch, or there was so for me, there were uh, people very, very important in, uh, in our life. But it was nice the fact that I had an open approach to them, I was not intimidated, I was intrigued, and uh. I like it, you know, I always choose designers to work with their company, not only on the base of their talent, but also on the base of their vision and values. You probably noticed that Floss was the only company that asked the designer an exclusivity. So designers that were working with Floss were not designing lines for other companies. This was not because we wanted to be, you know, kind of uh, picky, special guys, but because I think that when you develop a collaboration with uh, somebody for a long time, you share values, you share uh, a narrative, you, you share, you know, a path, a common path, they make both sides to grow together. And this is, to me, difficult to imagine in a strong sense if this is, at the same time, you know, diluted by alternative uh, collaborations. Uh, so really what, what I developed during the, my 35 years in, in Floss was a strong, strong human connection. It was a personal job. It was not a professional job. The professional side 
was, uh, you know, taking care about financials, taking care about company cost structure, taking care about developments or these things. But the creative process and the interaction with designer, the complicity, the cultural and moral complicity with them was absolutely a personal factor. Yeah. And uh, this is the same approach that I want to keep now. You know, I'm uh, not working since two months, and I'm, of course, thinking what has to be uh, something new to do in my life. And I think that I will try to add to people like the designers. They are, of course, still my reference. I want to stay in this in this world. I want to stay in the design world. And I also look at them people. They are involved in situations where, uh, you know, the economy, uh, the economical circle is a little bit different. Is uh, you know, I feel more contemporary for a person that did the experience I did. If I, uh, you know, to do another company, to run another design company or another lighting company could be fun, could be interesting because everything is is uh, very interesting, especially in design. That is my passion. But I think it makes more sense today. If I will be part of something, I hope to find something that give me, you know. I was, unfortunately, now with this disaster, everything is more difficult. But I was in Africa uh, a few months ago, and I found, by chance, some artisanal capacity that I didn't know that this guy can do. I was wondering, you know, if you can create something that involves uh, people that have this fantastic knowledge and fantastic capacity to be protagonists, really, to be part of the process, not just people. They create a ways to send to some big company that then will sell it through internet. I think yeah. that you have to create a more uh, in, more circular, more involving phenomenon where everybody is more part of it. And I think this is much more contemporary. And I like the fact that my daughters are pushing me in that way because it makes more sense to see the next years of my life. So this might be also a way to push the tradition to the next level. It's, it's not the tra yeah, it's not, tradition is an excuse if you want. Yeah. Uh, what I'm trying to be is say, okay, let's say that tomorrow we play, we take a very high technology, but what people, if you take an artisan in, even here in Portugal or in Africa or in Italy or somewhere, uh, they has a fantastic capacity to do one thing. Normally they are very good to do, you know, you know, they're doing knitting, they're good in making clay, they're doing to making things. And the all they know, there's a fantastic dignity and knowledge about layers of capacity and knowledge that came from years of tradition. And then they are there. They, they produce this, they do these things, and then somebody buy from them, and they are abandoned. And then they are not part of the process anymore. Yeah. I don't think it makes sense today. I would like the fact that these people, you can head to them, I don't know, design ideas. We can add with them uh, technology that they don't have to create products that perhaps can be very new. But what is important is these people are part of the process, are part of the chain, not just uh, forgotten guys somewhere in the south of Italy or in the Portugal lands. Yeah. Yeah. And... Um... What's the, in your experience, or for, for your point of view, because I don't think that it, that exists really as a specific recipe, but for your point, from your point of view, what's the secret for a product to, to last centuries? And I'm not talking just in terms of uh, physical existence, no, of course. but a cultural meaning of it, to make it relevant for uh, 
hundred years. It's very, very <laughs> difficult. You cannot start with a recipe. I don't believe in this kind of recipes. You know, uh, I remember many years ago uh, there was a guy that came to me with a kind of uh, evaluation system or recipe to analyze. A, a product that is starting in a creative process to be sure that when you arrive, you did something that is successful, or a classic forever, blah, blah, blah. And I was very, very surprised from this. And the guy was kind of a serious guy, but he worked a lot on, on that. Uh, and he was already selling the system to some, some companies. And I asked him, sorry, but I'm not so sure. First, I don't believe in it, but where do you live? Do you live in a fantastic place with a big boat or or you are still struggling going every day trying to sell these things to somebody. Because this is the second case. I'm not so sure if it works. Yes. Uh, because if you have the recipe for the successful product, my God, you would be the most consultant in the world. You know, I always told to my teams, guys, imagine a young designer coming from the door. A young designer, unknown, that is telling to you, oh, you know, I have an idea for a lamp. There is a kind of suspension lamp, but you cannot hang it on the ceiling as a big art of two meters. And to be keep standing, you need a marble base of 60 kilograms. Are you curious to understand more? Or you are saying to the young designer, come on, go back, you crazy? Because if you think I've lost and started with this incredible Arco lamp designed for the Castiglione brothers, this capacity and this courage and this idea to put you know, the, the visual, the, the idea and the, the creative sense of what you're doing in, behind, to go really in another world is, is the courageous, fantastic attitude. They always give the company the chance to do a always classic product forever. But you never know. You, you know, you don't have the guarantee. You don't have a site. But you have a way to try this to be guaranteed. We were discussing today, this morning, with Tristan Auer. A very interesting point came up. Uh, the interior designer or the architects, throughout the process of designing something, is in direct connection to the end user. So it will come up with 90% guarantee that the result of his design will satisfy his client. For product designers and companies producing product, they don't have that luxury of being in touch with the end users, with their clients or their, their audience in the end. So it's always a guess. It's betting on, on the future. It's a guess, but it's also true that we are people. We are a real person. That we live normal life. So yeah. it's true that I'm not talking with every person that could tomorrow use a lamp that I'm developing. Uh, but it's also true that I live my life and I use chairs, I use table, I use bottles, uh, I use lamps, I drive cars. So I use products. I, I am there. Uh, and this is part of our uh, back mind unconscious culture that we have. And this is a big, big tool when we start to develop a new product. So I'm not, I understand what you're saying, but I never did, for example, a market search. You know, I never asked to consumers, which is the lamp that you will like. Because we don't do the lamps uh, uh, or the products just to be sure that we match uh, the taste of the most um, the biggest amount of people possible. Uh, we do the product because we believe in an idea and we want to bring this idea 
to people, and, and we hope that these guys will appreciate also the innovative approach. Because so you always ask to people what they like, you know, they normally give you answers. They are, they are the best thing that they have around. So it's very difficult to, yeah. to be innovative. I heard you saying in an interview that home is not a shelter. It's not your place to go and search for comfort. Do you still think that? Yes, I, you know what? I'm allergic to comfort zone. I'm a little bit obsessed and I have kind of these things when I realize that things are, are getting too easy or too comfortable or they are repeating themselves and you are you know, doing things always in the same way means that you are probably declining your capacity to provocate innovation and to push yourself to look at something new. So house in the sense of shelter is, of course, a shelter in a certain sense, but I stay out from the idea that whatever I do, I have a place where I'm safe. I don't like to have a place where I'm safe. I want to be uh, intellectually uh, challenged 24 hours per day. And so if this became, again, a kind of idol, the idol of security, the idol of safety, the idol of sheltering, it's not something I really like. So even in the house, has of course is a more private area where you stay with your family, with the people that you love, but has also to keep out too much the comfort thing. I don't, I don't like to be to feel protected. I don't like to feel safe. That's the reason for sure why uh, you had a chance with Floss to create what you did because the best creations often they come out from uncomfortable situations so at least challenging one you know yeah <laughs> yeah challenging situation uh, i always like to close our conversations with a personal question what would be the very first thing that you are going to do once this mess will be over cross this field me on my back get into the ocean for a swim <laughs> I wish you can do that very, very soon. Very and, soon. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, pleasure to speak to you, to see you, and uh, look forward to see you around uh, maybe in Milano soon or in Dubai. Sure. Ciao. Thank you very much. Ciao. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.